This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Back. It is Pat and Stu. We have uh, we've just been prepping and getting ready for you right up until the last second. That's how much we care about you. <sighs> we Man. give and we give. Stu couldn't make it all the way over here. I had to leave early. No. Agonizing. So it's Pat and Fat today. Uh, welcome to it. So, um, did you say that right? I think so. It's almost like you said it Pat wrong. Pat and Fat. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, that's I, right. I think I got it. Uh, <laughs> according to the uh, Washington Free Beacon, Iran has said that Ugh. no nuke deal is acceptable. <laughs> why, why are we, why are uh, we negotiating with these people? Why? Yeah, they want the sanctions lifted immediately, right? They don't even want the deal. We're not the deal. This isn't the deal. We, we didn't sign the deal, and we want the sanctions lifted. Yeah, they've described an agreement to curb its nuclear program as not acceptable. Uh, just after we've hailed it, of course, as, uh, you know, we got the framework of a deal in place. Following the announcement of the framework accord that the U.S. described as a major step, uh, leaders in Tehran began to accuse the Obama administration of lying. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're liars. Uh, we've accused them of lying ourselves oh, yeah. a we time have. or two. Yeah. We're joining. So. We're kind of joining in hands, just swinging <laughs> hands in the parking lot. Out of our, it's kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> Disagreement revolves around a White House fact sheet that outlined concessions Tehran agreed to after negotiations in Lausanne. I, 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 guess, I guess they don't want to, they're not going to give any concessions. Well, how do you negotiate with these people? How, how do you do it? You don't. Yeah, exactly. You don't. You don't. That's, that's exactly the answer. Uh, they rejected most of the concessions they reportedly agreed to undertake. Uh, top Iranian leaders are describing the framework as a lie and announced that... The inspectors weren't going to be permitted. <laughs> They're not going to be permitted. No, we're not going to allow that. Well, they've said that all along. We're not going to let uh, inspectors come in here. Right, and part of the deal, I don't know, unless uh, Iran also maintains that all the Islamic Republic controversial nuclear work will continue under any deal. Yeah, okay. And they also said... Uh, uh, it goes on. It'll, it'll talk about they want all everything uh, dropped. You know, they want, you know what, uh, even if we don't sign the deal, we still want all the concessions. And we want all the all the the ban on any kind of countries doing business with us lifted. Hey, I mean, that's unbelievable. Any sanctions lifted immediately? Um, no. <laughs> Although I think the administration has agreed to most oh of it. Oh, my gosh, yes. They've agreed to most of it. They've said, you know, sign the deal. 
or give us the deal, and, and we'll lift the sanctions immediately. Uh, well, I don't think I don't think part of that deal was, and, and uh, I just know what they had talked about and what they were arguing about. But I think part of that deal was is that some of those sanctions weren't going to go away right away. Mm -hmm. They had to, what the, that's what they're pissed about is that they had to some of those sanctions would go away after the inspectors were to come in, and they're saying, ah, oh, no, we're not letting any of the inspectors in, but we want the sanctions lifted too. Yeah, well, you can't. I mean, how do you do that then? If you can't verify this thing, it's just like well, it's just like the, all the agreements we signed with the Russians, with the Soviets at the time. They, they were bullcrap because we we didn't they, they didn't allow us inspectors in either. Right. They're like, I oh, just trust us. We'll do it. Okay. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> well, the, well, this administration and the hard you know hardworking John Kerry would say, well, okay. Yeah, they would. Well, they, I mean, they kind of already have. And that's how they, they continue to say that they've got the framework of a deal in place when, uh, when they're liars. Deal of a lifetime. Uh, they're also silent. Uh, RAN framework. Even the framework, though, is silent on key nuclear site. Uh, like the, the International Framework Nuclear Agreement reached in Switzerland last week makes no specific mention of Iran's Parchin or Parshin military facility, which is a key location of suspected nuclear weapons work. So they ignored that one entirely. They didn't even include that one in the deal. And we've always believed that that's where a lot of the work, the, the nukes, are being uh, uh, developed. The omission of it in formal statements released by negotiators after the deal was reached is raising some questions about whether Iran will agree to disclose all details. And of course the answer is no. Of course the answer is no to that. Uh, you know, sh this is ridiculous. Even if they were going to follow the deal, if the deal doesn't mention it, that means they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Why would so, they? Oh, by the way, you know this site over here that we're, we didn't mention in the deal that we're not happy about anyway, we're not following anyway. There's another site over here we've been producing all kinds of stuff. Come and take a look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no problem. So in the midst of all of this, there's this little battle brewing now between uh, Barack Obama and Scott Walker, because Scott Walker, I think, mentioned something about the uh, deal and, and how bogus this all is. Good for him. And uh, Barack Obama, for his part, said this about Scott Walker. I am confident that uh, any president who gets elected will be knowledgeable enough about foreign policy and knowledgeable enough about mm -hmm. uh, the traditions because and customs of uh, presidential power uh, that they won't start uh, calling uh -huh. to question Mm -hmm. uh, the capacity of the executive branch of the United States to enter into agreements with other countries. Uh, <laughs> if that starts guy. being questioned, uh, that's going to be a problem for our friends, and mm -hmm. that's going to embolden our enemies. And uh, it would be uh, a foolish approach to take. Uh, and you know, <laughs> perhaps Mr. Walker, after he's uh, taken some time to bone up on foreign policy, will feel the same. Oh! Oh! Condescending so, bastard. Every plus everything he said, exact opposite, true, again, because everything he's saying shouldn't happen is what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, here's a guy with zero foreign policy. Right. Zero foreign I'm policy confident uh, do cred to, to, when he came into office. And I think even now has no foreign policy chops at all. No. And he's proved that over and over and over again. And what friends? I don't what know. Friends? No, we don't have any because of his foreign policy problems. Um, so for his part, uh, Scott Walker pushed back a little bit Good on the president him. last night on Fox. 
It's unbelievable. This is a president that should spend more time trying to figure out how to work with governors and members of Congress instead of attacking them. But it's not the first time, as you know, Sean, he, he went after me not too long ago when I signed right to work in Wisconsin as well. But, but think about that statement. This is a guy who in the last year called ISIS the JV squad, yep. who called Yemen just last fall, and his administration continues to call them a success story. Still do. Who had a secretary of state under Hillary Clinton that gave Russia a reset button, and then they ultimately went into the Ukraine. Uh, this is a guy who I, I think really? had the audacity to be talking about schooling anyone when it comes to foreign policy. Can you point out any success on foreign policy-wise of the president? Well, between this president and the person who advised him in his first four years, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, I think the only place in the world where either of them can claim any success is maybe Burma. But that's about it. Wow, he maybe. actually did give him some credit there. How maybe. about that? I would have said no. I can't think of a single thing. I, I don't know what the Burma, the, what Burma thing he's... Oh, Burma's short up. What, is it's, it? It's, it's a vacation <laughs> spot now. <laughs> what, is, what are we doing in Burma? I don't... Burma? <laughs> Got the Burmese thing done. Listen, the military powerhouse yeah. of Burma. When you, do, when you get that short up, you're safe. Oh, problem solved. You know, if, if they've said that. That's an old, I think, an ancient uh, Chinese axiom. If as Burma goes, so goes the, the world. world. Yeah. yeah. So I think Confucius first made mention of that, or maybe it was uh, Sun Good for Zhu. Scott Walker. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was great. I can't great. wait until he comes on the show. We need to talk to him. Well, let's see. It's the ninth. Uh, supposedly, the twentieth is kind of is kind of our target date. Off. So we got eleven days. Uh, but off. if he comes on, that's it's going to be great because I really I like him. I like him. I do too. He says a lot of the right things. Man. Yeah, he does, and and he says it well. And he's not afraid. He doesn't back down on uh, uh, when he's called out by the president. And he shouldn't. And I hope that shouldn't. I hope that is the start of more people doing that. Me too. Oh my but look gosh. at you know, and we'll probably talk about this later in the show. But you you look at Rand Paul, how he has not backed down to some of these uh, dipwads in the media, and now he's getting all kinds of flack because he's not deferential to some of these women who are who are trying to uh, spin everything he believes, yeah. and he won't he won't put up with it. And I think good for him for not putting up. You know, I'm not a I'm not a huge Rand Paul fan, but I love the fact. That he doesn't back down, and he doesn't care who's interviewing him. If it's a man, if it's a woman, he's going to call him on it, and right. he does every time. He did it with Savannah Guthrie. He did it with that uh, uh, reporter on uh, CNBC when he when he shushed her. He was shh, shh. <laughs> like and now and now all of a sudden that's being made into a uh, it's a woman problem. Reporter. You can't be shushing a female reporter. Why not? What is that? Shut up. What happened to equal rights? What happened count. to that? No, I mean I can't, I can't, I can't call out a woman if she's if she's being unreasonable. No, uh, Megyn Kelly's interview with him uh, was pretty nasty. I mean, she really went after him, and I guess you know supposedly she does that with both sides, so it probably see. shouldn't be a problem. But I, you know, to make this into to, uh, Rand Paul has some kind of problem with women. Shut up. I think so too. Yeah, shut up about that. Um, also, the military has revived an almost abandoned um, mountain base to protect against a new era threat. This is good. Um, probably talk about this a, a little bit tomorrow on radio with Glenn because uh, we didn't get to it today. But, um, but they're actually preparing now for something we should have been preparing for about 20 years ago. Because the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, which uh, originally housed the control room for the... Uh, 
for uh, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, uh, NAADC, which later moved to Peterson Air Base. Uh, but last week, William Gortney, commander of uh, NORAD, said at a briefing that some military communications equipment was moving into the mountain because they're trying to protect against an EMP. Good. It's about time. You're no kidding. They said that, you know, we could protect our entire infrastructure. The whole infrastructure of the United States of America for about $2 billion. $2 billion. Boy, that seems cheap. Oh, my, oh my gosh. I mean... Yeah, because it doesn't... I don't have your money. I can't throw around, you know, a million here, a million there. Well, I don't have that money either, but our U.S. government does. <laughs> okay, when you're talking about a $4 trillion budget... Right. $2 billion is like you and I spending 20 bucks. Right. Come on. Let's uh, go to Chick-fil-A. And if okay. 20 bucks is going to save your family from a total nightmare... How many... Have we've, we've, I know we've, we've shot it down at least once or twice. Right? Over and over. Yeah, and they just have not done this. Yeah, that makes no and sense. And I don't care I if it takes... That. Let's say it takes five times that much. Let's say it takes Which ten it times Which that it much. If it's $20 billion, it's worth doing. Whatever the cost, you've got you've to pony up yes. and do it because this is a true threat that... If, you know, because supposedly North Korea can do this to us, obviously Russians and, and Chinese can do this to us. If anybody did this to us and they were a first strike, uh, they hit us with EMPs and it shut down our all of our electronics and fried it for six months, we're dead. We're dead. Yeah, well, I'm sure. If that. we're the only ones that that happens to, can you imagine? You, oh do, you don't fly, you don't compute, you don't have computers, you don't have cell phones, you don't have uh, electricity in your home, you don't have anything. You don't have refrigeration, you okay. don't have... Think uh, of all the things you lose. Uh, we're open to invasion. It would be the simplest thing in the world to take over the United States of America at that point. Unbelievable. Well, at and, least attempt. Right. I mean, at least attempt to. And, and we'd have no defense against their air power. None. I, or if they wanted to send nukes our way, we couldn't respond. I mean, it's unbelievable that we have not taken that simple precaution. It sure is. Unbelievable. And so for them to do anything... To protect against an EMP, I'm absolutely in favor of. But uh, the mi military turning towards Cheyenne Mountain Complex um, after NORAD and NORTHCOM's command center moved to Peterson Air Base, um, they officially redesignated it as the alternate command center. So this will be the place that I guess if anything happens, everybody moves in there. I mean, they ought to put a gate up. It looks like you can just drive right in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody, yeah. somebody there, maybe. Maybe, maybe put maybe a door there or something. I mean, if, yeah, I, sure if, I, had the, if I had the Beamer, I could just get you to NORAD, Cheyenne Mountain, you just drive right in. Triple <laughs> beck uh, Pat and Stu with, uh, with Jeffy today. And uh, thus, the patent fat name for the show the, uh, on this particular day. Um, what, what is this now? Do you uh, know? Yes. What is this? This huh? is barbecue chicken. It's barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken with, I believe. Uh, so the, this is uh, the first TGI, actual meat. TGI we've Friday had. sauce. Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Yeah, did you have Jack Daniels? Oh sauce. my gosh. Oh, oh yeah. You know what? It tastes just like barbecue chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because it is. We're amazed by that every single oh, time. Oh my gosh. And I really think you will so be too. Good. It's delicious. I this is before. Got to get one of these. Machines. I mean, if you reconstituted this with the water. That would be a delicious piece of chicken right there. I got to mm. tell you, Pat, it's a delicious piece of chicken right Deli now. It is right now. And this month you can save $400 on your very own Harvest Right Freeze Dryer when you call 800-401-9597. This is absolutely delicious. I'm going to have this piece right here when we're done. <laughs> Phenomenal. But you can, you can freeze dry anything you want. This chicken, obviously, 
your Thanksgiving meal. Um, you know, we freeze-dried ice cream, and then it all comes right back to life. Lasts for 25 years. You've got yourself food storage. You can do it yourself at home. This is a tremendous system. And right now, again, save $400. So call them right now, 800-401-9597, or visit them at harvestright.com. Got to get one of these. Mm, so good. What if there was a way you could know the future of the stock market, America, the world, even your own? What if there was a 3,000-year-old mystery determining world events right now? One so precise it foretold the collapse of Wall Street down to the dates and hours, even the timing of 9-11. What if it foretells a coming calamity you can prepare for? The Mystery of the Shemitah Unlocked by New York Times best-selling author Jonathan Kahn. This riveting DVD will forewarn you of what lies ahead. It may just change your life. Maybe there's just a, just a message here? I think so, yeah. I think Come on. Now they're just trying to push Come me on. over the edge. Just trying to push me over the edge. We had one in the first segment. I know. We got a little fight back with Walker. Yeah. And now. Which, which felt good, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. But. There's no fight back on this, except this is, from us. We've got, <laughs> we've got uh, the Obama on his daughter's <laughs> asthma. Oh. Uh, I think, was it yesterday that Stu mentioned this? And I, I didn't realize we had, the, uh, we had the audio and video of it. It's, it's excruciating. It really is. Well, you, I mean, it can't this. be. This is the president. Yeah, it I know. can't be excruciating. He's talking about the health of his daughter, his, right. his daughter's asthma problem, mm-hmm. and he's comparing it to what we all compare our child's health to is climate change. Right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know that he's comparing it so much as blaming climate change for his daughter's <laughs> asthma. Hey, you're going to love no. this. Yeah, watch this. No, he's got to be. Watch, be. watch and see. Asthma has, is something your family has, has <laughs> experienced. Yeah. Do, you, do you worry that the environment, the climate, has, has impacted on, on your own daughter? Well, you know, Malia had asthma well, when she was four, yeah. uh, and because we had good health insurance, mm-hmm. uh, we were huh. able to knock it out early, and she still has uh, allergies, but uh, it, it's something that uh, has not impacted her significantly. Uh, but just in but, the conversations I had with mm-hmm. doctors and nurses, you've got kids who mm-hmm. are going to the emergency room mm-hmm. three, four, five times a year. Right. Now, first of all, we're paying for that. Mm-hmm. And if we can prevent it, that's good for everybody's bottom line. How old is uh, Malia now? What I can relate to mm-hmm. is the fear a parent has when your four-year-old daughter comes up to you and says, Daddy, I'm having trouble breathing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the fright you feel back the uh, is terrible. And, and you know, if, if we you know, can if, make if, sure if that can, our responses to the environment mm-hmm. are reducing those incidents, uh, that's something that I think every parent would wish for. And the good news is there are concrete steps we can take to, to, to do something about this. No, no, you're not going to you're, you're not going to uh, change the climate and then fix asthma. You're not going to. I, that's just that's madness. There has always been asthma. Uh, and, and there will continue to be asthma. Okay, she was born in 1998. Okay, so, so she's 18 uh, years she's old. 2002 is when yeah. she was four. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, I, I don't think there was Obamacare. No, there was not in 2002. So no. that good health insurance you had, Barack, we all had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It had nothing to do with you. The worst. <laughs> He's the worst. Oh. And, and to try to say that climate change is somehow affecting how many times your, your children go to the emergency room because of asthma, 
Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I can't take it. When I was, uh, I don't know, nine or ten, one of my best friends died from asthma. Uh, I don't think that was due to climate change. I'll have to see if I can Seriously? find his parents and talk to him about that. I bet you they believe it is now. <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. In retrospect, that was climate change. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he lived in Helena because of the weather uh, in the summertime. He, they, they live somewhere else. I forget where they, where they live, but a warmer climate. And then, so every every summer they came to Montana, where it was, it was cooler, cooler and easier yeah. on him, and and uh, yeah, still didn't work. But boy, that sucks. Yeah, he had just gone to Denver, where they have some kind of asthma clinic there, and they thought, you know, because they've got some kind of treatment that supposedly really helps and in some some cases alleviates it entirely. It's called the bubble. Instead, he came back and died after that visit to the Hello. clinic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my gosh. They good. sent him to the climate change study building <laughs> in Denver. <laughs> yes, and it was climate Horrible. change. Climate change that killed him. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. Not good. Not good. You can't sue climate change. No, you can't. You can't. But you could, you, you could certainly sue all the people who are contributing. ExxonMobil, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yes. BP. Chevron, oh, Shell, oh. okay, Marathon, need I say more? <laughs> We're coming for you, okay? Uh, now he says the number of deniers is shrinking. He says on NBC News uh, the other day, the number of deniers what? is shrinking? Shut up. Listen to this garbage. We know that there's going to be more uh, severe wildfires, uh, no, which means particulates in the air. No, uh, we know that no, the allergy season gets extended. Uh, Longer summers, hotter summers mean potential heat stroke. There are a whole the range of impacts. And what's homes, exciting but... is that you're seeing doctors, mm-hmm. nurses, uh, medical schools mm-hmm. uh, really trying to raise awareness. What do you say to the people who deny that climate change is real and that it is impacting our health? Yeah, the good news is is that the number of climate is, deniers is, is shrinking rapidly yeah, uh, because the science is yeah, true. Uh, no, it's not true. You know, indisputable. And I think no, people no, are no, starting oh, to experience it. The good news is there's something we can do about it. And we save money in the long term because if you have uh, one child who has three, four, five visits to the emergency room for asthma, again, somebody's paying for that. I can't, I can't, I can't take it. I can't take him. Again, he, he blames asthma on climate That's change. Fantastic. Oh, he's the worst. Yeah, I thought NBC had a little cash. I a mean, little. did Brian Williams take all their money? Why? Because that's the second interview now. They're sitting in the same room, but different. But different yeah, interview. I'm sure what they did was they planted him and then yeah. shuffled every all the reporters I mean, in. Come on, NBC, at least backdrop, maybe. Pathetic. Something? Pathetic, but uh, the science is indisputable. No, I'm sorry. It's very, <laughs> no. very, very disputable. Now listen, but the deniers are shrinking. No, and that again so is not good. true. In fact, it's going the other way. People are people are waking up to this crap. No, but because, I just said, yeah, I just he, said it. He did. Shrinking. He said it. He said it, and so have you now. And but that it's, makes itself. So. It's not true. So you can go ahead and keep repeating the lie. I'm just not going to believe it. Uh, now here he is on Sandy Hook because you can't you can't let him get away without uh, you know talking about taking away our guns too. Well, I got to take a shot at that. Yeah, sure. Oh, I mean, oh boy. The Ooh. Academy of Pediatrics has said that gun violence is one of the greatest problems facing our children. And following Sandy Hook, yeah. you promised yeah. America tighter promised. gun control. You lied. Uh, have you given up? No, I haven't given up. No. What we've done is to try to do as much as we could administratively to tighten up. Mm-hmm. Uh, how background checks are run uh, to, to, to go to, after to, uh, to. illegal drug runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, tell me. 
trying to get something some through Congress has proven to be really difficult, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, it is. You know, uh, those be easy. You two or three days after uh, the Sandy uh, Hook shooting are, are some of the worst days of my presidency uh, because I met those families oh. right after. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about six-year-olds uh, who were uh, just systematically murdered. Every day is some of the worst uh, and, days of your presidency. And, and that may be one of the few times where I was just Every day. shocked that Congress didn't act. Uh, were you? Were you? Yeah. Because were you? he was shocked that we have a, I don't know, Second Amendment that it, they decided to, to abide by. <laughs> were you? Were you stunned? Uh, Woo! I'm kind of stunned, too, that they, they held, stuck to their guns. If you will. Oh, wait. Huh? No. Yeah, right. No, I did it. it. I, and I apologize there. to NBC. This was ABC. So I know ABC doesn't have any cash. No. So I apologize. They don't. No, NBC still has a little cash. So it was ABC the first time, and the I, third time it was NBC. I in, thought it in was. Between. But it was the same. Yeah. I thought it was NBC, right? It was the Today That's what it's, I just it's said. It's the same room, right? Well. Yeah. Chris is, is saying what I just said. Uh, but anyway, the the uh, this guy is agonizing. He sure is. He is absolutely agonizing. First of all, trying to blame asthma, his daughters and others, asthma visits on climate change is so bogus. Then to tell us the science is indisputable. They're not even using science. They're using hysteria. They're, you cannot guarantee we know that wildfires are going to increase. No, you don't. You don't know that. What do you mean? If you would, if you would, uh, if you would do the environmentally sound things, and that's uh, do the burns on the forestry when they get out of control ooh, in the first ooh, place, and control ooh. this in the first place. If you would change that policy, then we wouldn't have the wildfires that we do. But because they won't take some preventative me measures, yeah, the controlled burns, that the they controlled do all the burns, time they won't. Yeah, the forests and renews the land. I mean, th but Which they won't do it. Which in turn enhances animal life. Wait, no, we can't do that. No, can't do that. We can't do that. So, you know, then they're going to blame longer, hotter summers, which we are not experiencing. Uh, we have n uh, last year in Dallas, we had a pretty dang mild we summer. Sure did. Remember that? We, we sure had, did. I think, one day hit a hundred or more. One day, uh, maybe two or three. Yeah, it was. was I, it was I, under five. I know that. Yeah, it was. It was not. It was not more than more than a week for sure because I, I know we went over 100 and we there was a couple of days where we cranked way over 100 the summer and that was it the summer before we got here which was 2011 days uh, months they had 55 days in a row of 100 plus yeah, and i, I mean, think was, 70 overall it was yeah it was an unbelievably hot uh summer that year then it was it was okay then it was i think it was fairly hot in 2012 but it's been mild ever since i, I you know you can't and nobody's denying climate change because this climate has always changed. I'm just denying that man has much or anything to do with it. I mean, the climate does change. Seen that over the years. We've seen it. So, That's why North America is no longer covered in ice. We had so a climate change. We've reversed. I mean, like the sun revolves around us now. No. And mm -hmm. then things no. are going. No, but that science was undeniable, too, until Copernicus. So, <laughs> wait, so we, yeah, we, we go around the, the sun. sun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to let him think about this for a second. We'll be back while it we soaks in with Jeffy uh, coming up on Pat and Pat. Yeah. We go around the sun. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a long trip. Do we still, do we go in a circle trip, too? One, no, yes, we do. We spin while we go around. 
until the spinning thing is a day, and then the whole rotation around the sun is a year. All that is a year. Triple eight seven two seven back. It is uh, Pat and Fat. Welcome. You gonna? Is there a problem? It sounds wrong. No, it's. No, it's exactly that right. Sound like the name of the show, but go huh. ahead. All right. <laughs> uh, co coming up, we, we got to talk about uh, uh, this Rand Paul woman, so-called woman or yes. behavioral problem that he supposedly has. Uh, plus, tomorrow on radio, we're gonna we're, we have an interview with uh, Rand. Excited to talk to him. Uh, I am too, Especially because after he announced to be yeah, there. and he, he's had a really good week, and then. He's been he's been hammered a little bit by some in the media, including Megyn well, Kelly. I mean, that's kind of what happens, right? You get to, we all love everybody, and we're thinking yes. about running, and then hey, I'm going to run, and then we're going to take then we're ready to get take some punches. Right, I know, but it's uh, it, it's it seems to be the Republicans, the conservatives, that get the vast majority of the like when Hillary yes, announces. Does. Uh, do you think she's going to, of course, I don't know. The, the media yeah. has not given her a pass on most things lately. They used to all the time. They don't as much anymore. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that was, that's his, that was Rand's point with uh, Debbie Wasserman, right? Yes. I mean. Yeah, and that, I, want, I want to talk about that, too, because that, that, that's an amazing exchange. Because he is supposedly the extremist right. on, on abortion. Because I, I guess he doesn't want to make any exceptions for rape, incest, and and woman's life endangerment, which almost life. never happens. I know. By the way, rape, pregnancies from rape is incredibly rare. Um, pregnancies where it, it, the mother's life is going to be taken, potentially, if she gives birth, kind of went out with the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, modern medicine is taking care of that. Right. It, be, for the most right. part. Because modern medicine now, I mean, uh, we've been through a bunch of pregnancies where... You know, my wife was but my, yeah. in trouble. And yeah, just, but that's, okay. th that's an easy one for me. If it's my wife or the baby, I, I'm going with the mother of my children, of course. <laughs> I, I, you know, you've got to. You have to, right? I yes. mean, you have to. if you have to choose between one of them, you're, you're going to choose the mom so maybe she can have a baby again or, you know, help you raise your family. But Yeah, the other children that are that are Yes, that are there and need their mother. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. So anyway... He's the extremist. When she's fine, his his example was ask Debbie Wasserman Schultz if she's okay with taking a seven pound baby out of the mother's womb okay, and, and aborting it. That is unbelievable. A fully developed, full grown baby. Uh, crazy. Anyway, um, we'll get to that later on. Last night, Glenn outlined why he believes there will be a Christian Holocaust in the Middle East unless we as Americans do something to stop it. Uh, fascinating stuff. When Pope Francis comes out and he talks about gay marriage or redistribution of wealth, everybody all around the world, it is headlines, front page, media is all over it. But when he comes out and condemns the complicit silence about the killing of Christians all around the globe, as he did on Good Friday, it's deafening silence. I seem to remember a promise we made to each other. We seem to make a promise we would never let the world fall into this darkness again. We would never let a Holocaust happen again. And yet here we sit.
willfully blinded, even indifferent. As Christians continue to be slaughtered by radical Islamic monsters, the latest came last Thursday when students at Kenyan University were finishing up classes and preparing for the holiday weekend. It was just like any other day until radical Islamist terrorists stormed into the campus and proceeded to unleash a violent, ruthless assault that lasted 13 hours and left 147 dead. Many are still missing and unaccounted for. This is the worst attack since the bombing of the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi back in 1998. They went room by room. They grabbed the students and then began to interrogate about religion. If you were Christian, you were shot on the spot. Many were decapitated. According to witnesses, any student attending the morning prayers at mosque were not attacked. The terror group responsible? Al-Shabaab. They took responsibility for what they called an operation against infidels. Quote, we sorted people out and released the Muslims. There are many dead bodies of Christians inside the building. We're also holding many Christians alive. Imagine being a father. Your, your child, your daughter, is off at college. And you hear about this attack, and you know that your daughter is at that college. The daughter called in the morning in a panic during the attack. Later in the day, a parent's phone rang again. It was a man on the other end. He demanded that he talk to the Kenyan president within two minutes. The family said, we don't have access to the Kenyan president. We can't put him on the phone. He said, I'm going to kill your daughter. They heard gunshots over the phone. The man said, she's now with her God, and dropped the phone to the floor. In February 22, Egyptian Coptic Christians were beheaded by ISIS. We've shown you this video many times. The intentional move to strip away any mention of Islamic when talking about the extremists, the psychos, the terrorists, makes identifying and defeating the enemy even more difficult. President Obama didn't even identify the victim's Christianity when they were beheaded by ISIS on the beach merely for being Christians. And by doing so, it keeps the motive for the violence hidden. According to Open Doors, 4,344 Christians have been killed for faith-related reasons between December 1st and November 30th of last year. That's double from the previous year. That number is much likely much higher because the group only counts victims who they can identify by name and an exact cause of death can be determined. Christians has also routinely been targeted in Iraq and Syria. ISIS has become genocidal. They have a march in Iraq's Nivea plain last August. Then they moved to Kabar. They executed and exiled religious minorities like the Yazidis while we did nothing. They destroyed Assyrian artifacts in Iraq while we did nothing. They blew up an 80-year-old Assyrian church on Easter while we did nothing. Christians are being driven from the Middle East in what some are called the New Exodus. Part of the problem leading to the increased persecution is the fact that Christianity has spread. Kenya is now 82% Christian. Kenya has been repeatedly attacked by al-Shabaab terrorists. 
We just talked about the university attack. Before that, it was the 2013 mall attack where they lined the Christians up, demanded they quote verses from the Koran. Anyone who could was let go. Anyone who couldn't, murdered. Before that, it was the 2012 attack on churches during Sunday services, families with their children. Our world leaders, sorry, calling them that is laughable. Our world leaders are anything but leaders. And they can sanitize the language all they want, but it is psychotic Islam that is causing this. The radicals are not mincing words. This is a religious war for them. This is the beginning of a Christian genocide for them. And it is getting worse. And after they're done with the Christians, they will go to the Jews and the Muslims. In Egypt, Coptic Christians building a church in honor of those beheaded by ISIS were attacked late at night with Molotov cocktails. They set cars on fire. Stones and bricks were thrown. After meeting with an organizing group, something organized by the local governor, it was decided that the location of the church would be moved. Last month, ISIS went door to door in Libya searching for Coptic Christians, Christians among a compound housing day laborers. Put yourself in this man's position. He's a day laborer. There's a knock on his door. He opens it at night. He has the horrifying realization of who is standing on the other side of his threshold. And they asked if he and his roommate were Christians. He only had a split second to think. He lied. He said, no, no, I'm Muslim. They asked if any uh, any of the rooms had any Christians in it. He lied again. He and his three friends survived. But 13 others were taken away. Later, they were beheaded on a beach as part of the propaganda video. Coptic Christians. They are the largest Christian denomination in Egypt and part of the largest Christian community in the Middle East. But they are a minority of the entire population, accounting for only about 10%. So you know, a lot of people will say, what is a Coptic Christian? I don't know what it means. Cop comes from the Greek word meaning Egyptian. So all Egyptians at one point were cops. But over time, several and several um, Muslim com- conquests, they began using Coptic, or Copt, as a derogatory term to refer to anyone who didn't convert to Islam. Remember, Egypt at one time was a Christian nation. Not anymore. And there are not going to be any Christians left in the entire Middle East unless somebody does something. This scene has played out over and over again. It's played out before. In the upcoming episode of The Root, we are going to chronicle the history of Christian persecution that took place over the last 100 years in the Middle East. Few recognize it in full context, but when you see it, you will understand what is motivating these extremists. And it's not American foreign policy. It's not even our culture. It's a religious war. And amazingly, world leaders are turning a blind eye. The Pope admonished, but because he wasn't talking about redistribution of wealth, no one seemed to listen. I've been talking about this for so long that I can't imagine why you even watch or listen anymore. It sounds crazy to say it. 
To Jewish people, it's offensive to say this is a Christian holocaust. That is, word is reserved for a special place, and I understand that. But we better start we better start telling each other the truth. What is coming is a Christian holocaust. It appears we have forgotten the promise never again. That's why Jews are coming up to me now saying, please, please talk about the Christians. It's why we're seeing more and more citizens, people just like you, pack up and go to the Middle East, not to fight for ISIS, but to fight for the other side, to protect the Christians. We had a guy in the program named Matthew Van Dyke. He's trying to train Iraqis and Syrians to defend themselves against ISIS because we're not doing any of it. The Blaze today has an amazing story, an exclusive video featuring an American, a group of American volunteers fighting with the Kurdish Peshmerga against ISIS. It is absolutely breathtaking video as snipers have them pinned down and you hear the bullets whizzing by. One volunteer gets hit in the leg as they retreat. It's an incredible story, an incredible video. Why is this happening? Because we no longer as a country, and if I may, we no longer as Christians even stand for anything. And the people who do realize what is happening in the world are sick and tired of inaction, so they're literally doing it themselves. I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. They have more bravery than I do. Another amazing story, a Los Angeles-based nonprofit is also taking action. They're dedicating their efforts to helping girls and children who have escaped the horrors of ISIS in Iraq. You know what pisses me off? How people just spend their time prattling on about a war on women because of birth control. ISIS is ground zero for a war on women. Rape, torture, selling into sex slavery. These are people and families just like yours. And the only reason why they're being sold into sex slavery and being broken up as families and beheaded is because they are Christian. We promise never again. Isn't it time we put up or shut up? And I mean as people. We, we as people failed to listen to people like George Clooney on the Sudan. We wanted to make it about politics. And I'm not saying us per se. I asked George Clooney, I remember being in the radio studio a few years back, and I asked George Clooney, I said, please, let me, let, let, please, let's partner with this. Because I care just as much as you do. Never happened. Because people want to play politics. Let's not. What do you say? Let's not. Our politicians have failed to publicly denounce the Armenian genocide. It's the 100th anniversary this month. That is really, really important. Why? You'll understand when we show you the route. We're doing a special on the anniversary of the Armenian genocide. And we hope the world will finally see what the truth really is and why that was important. Why it's important today to recognize what the Turks did to the Christians and the Armenians. I don't know what we're building towards. I do, I think. I don't even want to say it out loud. This is not separate from my trip to Auschwitz. I feel it in my bones. This is not separate from me telling my children four or five years ago we have to 
educate ourselves. We have to know who we are. We have to decide to become the righteous among the nations before it begins to happen. I hoped that that would all go away, but I don't think it's going to. I was on Facebook last night because I posted some video, and there's an update on that video that I posted last night. Horrible, horrible stuff. And I said, when are Christians going to wake up? And I posted, I posted, somebody said, what do we do? And I said, here's what you do. You go to your pastors and your priests and your rabbis and you ask them, A, is there a Coptic Christian church in our area? B, can we reach out to them? Can we comfort those who are supposed to be mourning? And why aren't you talking about this every single Sunday from the pulpit? Well, you wouldn't believe the response I got. So many people said, what is that going to do? Glenn Beck, that's a dumb, dumb answer. Is it? How about educating yourself first? How about educating others first? How about then going to our pulpits, the American Revolution, the Civil War, and the Civil Rights Movement came and were won from the pulpit first? Our pulpit should be on fire, but our pulpits... Okay, triple eight seven two seven Beck. Pat and Stu with uh, Jeffy today. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. On Wednesday, uh, Sorab Amari, editorial page writer at the Wall Street Journal, tweeted a link to an article from the Washington Post about Iran's Holocaust denial cartoon uh, contest. The article explained in early May, organizers in Tehran will stage the second international Holocaust cartoon contest. Cool, isn't that nice? It's an exhibition that will feature some of the 380, uh, 839 pieces of art. There's 839. I almost spun that in a really oh. bad way. 839 pieces of artwork Huge. submitted uh, by artists from more than 50 countries. Uh, Amari tweeted, moderate Iran organizes Holocaust denial cartoon contest. That's when uh, Ali Reza something or other... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's it's, quite a name. It's Alariza uh, Chase. Tababanijad Taba uh, decided to sound Taba, off. Tababanijad is a research professor at USC in the Department of Electrical Engineering, specializes in electrophysics. The professor continued to, uh, to tweet long into the afternoon about why Holocaust denial did oh, not gosh. demonstrate being radical. So... You can deny the Holocaust, and you're, you're still moderate. Radical. You're, not, you're a radical. not a radical. No. I mean, yes, you're denying every piece of evidence that exists, which is a lot, including, I don't know, piles of uh, bodies everywhere. Uh, <laughs> men and women who but, uh, went listen, through those camps and liberated. Listen, uh, he brings in a lot of money. Yeah. To uh, as mm-hmm. a research professor okay. for USC. So, so it's fine. They're going to say, uh, hey, listen, professor can say whatever they want. Nice. Good answer, USC. Good Don't answer. worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Ugh.
727727 bet. Pat and Stu with uh, Jeffy today. Uh, Stu is off. Uh, their historic uh, poll, tw- uh, the top 25 findings from a major Cuba study. Uh, Fusion found that Cubans are overwhelmingly supportive of normalizing relations with the U.S. I bet. They're optimistic about the future and bigger fans of Barack Obama than either Castro brother. Is that saying much? No. And I'm probably bigger fans of Obama than any American living today. Uh, if they're fans <laughs> at all, <laughs> they're bigger fans than I am. The uh, poll, considered to be the biggest, most comprehensive independent public opinion study conducted on the island in the past 50 years, was done by uh, local pollsters. And uh, here's Ooh. some interesting findings. It's going to be fascinating because I saw when we first started talking about uh, normalizing relations with Cuba mm-hmm. and uh, getting back to it, I saw a tweet with a picture <laughs> of Havana, and the tweet was, got to get to Cuba now before the Americans come and ruin it. Yeah. Um, yeah was okay. it the Americans that ruined it? Was it? Mm, no. No, but, you know, what they're saying is we'll ruin it all over again because we'll come in there and, I don't know, what, bring McDonald's or something? <laughs> I'm sure that's probably their point. Bring jobs, uh, industry, health. But here's our first graph that we're going to take a peek at. What country does most of your family live in for Cubans? Uh, 56% United States. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Oh, yeah. A lot of Cubans in, in Miami and all throughout Florida, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you oh, lived yeah. there for a long time. Yeah, big time. Uh, Spain, 9%, 6 for Italy. Uh, three in Canada, two percent. France, Venezuela, two percent. Others, eleven. Not available, eleven. So, I mean, overwhelming majority, obviously, in the United States. Well, where's your family? I don't know. Uh, the next thing we found was in the International Survey of Cubans Living in Cuba. Do you have a Cuban identity card? <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, everybody does. One hundred percent. Good. So that's like a, a, a national ID card, obviously. And uh, in a communist nation like Cuba, yes, we yeah. all have one. We all have one. Well, there are people that don't. They're just not alive. They, yeah, they just don't. Yeah. They didn't respond to the survey. How satisfied are you with the economic system that exists in Cuba? Very satisfied, 1%. Somewhat, 18 <laughs> Not two, 36%. Yeah. Not at all satisfied, 43%. Got to get there before the Americans come and ruin it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the real problem is America. Uh, how satisfied are you with the health care system that exists today in Cuba? Now, this is the same health care system that Michael Moore said was better than ours. Right. right? Very satisfied, 16%. Somewhat 52 Not two or not at all satisfied, about 32% if you combine those That's two. fascinating. Yeah. I wonder... They just many of them don't know any better than what they well, have, yeah, right? That's, so that's probably very true. They've they've not been off the island. Uh, why are you not satisfied with the political system that exists today in Cuba? Lack of freedom, forty nine percent. Economic development, lack of it, twenty six percent. That's right. a lot, man. That we sure need is. change, nineteen percent, and other four percent. Wow. So obviously they they want some freedom and they want the economy to be better. How would you rate the Communist Party of Cuba? Very positive, six. Slightly positive or uh, 26, slightly negative 24. This is pretty amazing because you think they could get in trouble for this. Very negative 34%. So people are not happy with the communist dictatorship that they've been living under for 60 years in Cuba. 
Uh, next, do you always express yourself freely in public, or do you feel you have to be careful about what you say? Oh, nobody has to be careful with what they say. Uh, well, it's Cuba. Now, yes, I always express myself 19%. Everybody else, not so much. No. <laughs> you think? Uh, that's amazing. It's pretty obvious, though, right? I mean, it's what it's all about. Do you think Russia is a friend or not a friend? Friend of Cuba, 71%. Oh Not a friend, six. Uh, neither volunteered. Neither. Um, 18%. Russia's a friend. No, 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 no not answer, not answer. Huh. <laughs> Little do they know, Russia, not their friend. Do you think U.S. is a friend of Cuba or not? Friend, 53%. That's fairly high since we've been, you know, sanctioning them for so long. Not a friend, only 10% and neither but, 16. Well, while the country, I mean, we have sanctioned them, but so many of the family members know how bad it is. Yeah. And that's why they're all living as, here. And try to help as much as they can. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. Venezuela fares even better than uh, Russia. 93% feel like uh, Venezuela is a friend of Cuba. Not a friend, 2%, neither 3 Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, what's his face? Went there for his health care, right? Yeah. Mr. Uh, Chavez. Yeah, Hugo went there for, yeah. Because uh, the health care there was so <clears> good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. Uh, next, we have in our international survey of Cubans living in Cuba. Uh, okay, do you think Iran is a friend of Cuba? Friend, 28%. Not a friend, 29 Neither 25 don't recognize the country, 4%. Uh, I don't know what Iran is. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you think the educational system is good in Cuba? Uh, that's not the next one. but uh, What do you think in regard to the normalization of the relation? What do you think in regard to the normalization of the relationship between Cuba and the United States? It's good for Cuba, 97%. Bad Amazing. for Cuba, one. Huh. Not yeah. important. Nobody thought it was not important. That's interesting. Jeez. Yeah, they so, need us bad. They get it. Do you think the announcement favors Cuba more, favors U.S. For more, or favors both equally? Favors Cuba more, 58%, I agree. Yes. Favors the U.S., 5%. I mean, what do we get out of it? Nothing, really. Favors both equally, 33%. I mean, I, I, what do we get out of it? I Nothing. Well, I mean, seriously, do... Do you care about Cuba? I don't. Not really. Much. I really don't. Not really. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't want people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Living want to... under a communist no. rule. And <clears throat> right, to that extent. Hated and hated To, I don't want to the that. extent that I care about all humans. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, other I mean, than that. Cuba does nothing. And even I've got the, no interest, Even really. the days of the Cuban cigars being wanted, I mean, with such a, a bad economic downturn, uh, really, the those days are over. Uh, the the Most of uh, the Dominican Republic and Haiti are the ones that are growing the tobacco, and Central, Central America are growing the tobacco that's the best for cigars now, not Cuba. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I, I don't know because I don't smoke it, but I, I've heard that Cuba's kind of fallen off, yeah. right? Um, you, you know, but Glenn's kind of interested in going to Cuba. I've got no interest in Cuba. None. None to go to Havana or any, I, I couldn't mean, care it's less. It's been so 
Could not care less. Beaten up mm -hmm. and downturn. Nothing has been done to it. Yeah. I mean, they're driving 1940 cars that are jerry-rigged all together. And yeah. They, I mean, nothing and works. About, and about most of the cars that are still together in any way, uh, they paddle across the ocean to try to get to the United yeah, States. Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> hollow out the they, shell and use any, it to, They use anything use they can here. to get here. Yeah, they do. Uh, all right, next, do you think this new relationship with the U.S. will change the economic system that exists in Cuba? <clears throat> or do you think the economic system will remain the same? Will change 64 and uh, the system will remain the same 30. Okay, so they, they understand. I mean, this thing is it's going to rock their world, hopefully in a good way. Uh, next, do you think this relationship with the U.S. will change the political system? Or do you think it will be the same? Will change 37%, remain the same 54 Wow. Yeah, I think it'll. I mean, I doubt that the communist government. I mean, they might. They might morph. Hang, they might hang. morph into a hybrid like uh, China did. I mean, that's yeah, they'll possible. hang in there for a couple of years. Ago. Yeah. Uh, do you think the embargo between the U.S. and Cuba should be continued or eliminated? Uh, should continue is one percent. <laughs> eliminated is. Uh, oh no! Should continue is ninety-six percent. The embargo between the U.S. And Cuba should continue? They think we should continue the embargo? Yeah. 96%? That's pretty amazing. I don't get that. Well, hmm. um, unless we have some kind of agreement that Cuba is not going to befriend and get help from the Soviet Union or Russia or Iran, um, why would we want to give them things? Well, yeah, but this is, they're asking the Cubans people, this. Yeah, they want us to still keep it up. Yeah, they're asking Cubans. Why would Cubans want the embargo to continue? It's weird. Uh, taking the expansion of trade into consideration, what American products or services would you most like to be offered? I mean, they probably don't know a lot of what we, I mean, the, the, because the press is not free there. They may not have a full understanding, but, I mean, these are some good options here. Supermarkets, 43%. They'd like American supermarkets. I bet. Housing, yeah, 41%. <laughs> Pharmacies, 40%. With, the, with medical being so good, they surprisingly they want pharmacies. I know, right? Uh, automobiles, yeah, they'd like some cars uh, that are maybe after 1948. Uh, 35%. Telephone industry, 34. Department stores, 28. Hotels, 16. TV and radio, 16. Restaurants, 15. Computers, 13. Computers aren't terribly important to them. Um, and then 4% for other. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, maybe in there, maybe in there, the computers might tie into the telephone too. Possibly. Uh, next, do you have access to the internet? Yes, sixteen percent. Wow. No, eighty-four. Wow, eighty-four percent of people don't have access no to the internet. And and as we know, high-speed internet is a well, human right. It so certainly their human is. rights are being violated right now. Take over. Need to get them in touch with the Lumbee tribe as soon as we possibly can. <laughs> in your opinion, what do most people of Cuba need the most at this time? An improved economy, 48%. Open political system, 24 Improved quality of life, 24 <clears throat> So, you know, the basic things that all humans want. Just a chance to succeed. Leave me alone. Let me live my life and improve it on my own. Uh, pretty basic stuff there. Next would be, oh, that's, that's all 24 things, huh? Oh, okay. wow. Um, <clears throat> so Fascinating. I, I wonder if we're going to be able to move into uh, uh, Cuba with, uh, you know, with the gambling, just like they wanted to do in the, you know, before Castro took over. Oh, yeah, and have the, uh, <clears throat> have the Bob come in and, <clears throat> and run the casinos for them well, and Havana I mean, and all that. Look, 
uh, you know. You know, I mean, the, if the mob existed, existed which of course you and I both know, it, okay. it does not. There is All no right. such thing. My God, so. no, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, was the what was the movie, though, that featured the mob trying to move into Havana? Godfather. Was it Godfather? Yeah. And there was another one, too, I think. Um, uh, wasn't Scarface kind of along those lines? Or he was just from he, Cuba. Yeah. Is that what it was? He was in Miami, and he was using, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's right. In fact, I think Michael Corleone. Oh, he, he was all. He was. Did he move to Cuba? Well, no, he was down there, and uh, that's where his brother betrayed him. By the way, in the in the documentary. Uh, the documentary. That's where his brother Fredo <laughs> betrayed him in Cuba. And then he uh, had to had to kill him uh, in a nice way. But he got you him. Know, when you Cuba. have to he kill your brother, he got you him out of Cuba it. alive, and he kept right. him alive as long as the mother was alive. Which that's I thought was, right. Which I thought was good. That was big because all along he knew it was, it was Fredo. Right. He did. He knew it because they took him to the sex show. And that's where he slipped up. He got all drunk and uh, opened his big mouth at the sex show in Cuba when Michael was down there to invest money. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, that's documentary. It's fact. <laughs> and then Michael saw that uh, uh, Castro's uh, regime was just killing people mm -hmm. uh, and uh, wiping them out, fighting for the regime, and he knew that he couldn't invest. Not the place for him. He Not the place. Had to, was, the, the he would lose his money. Done. He was going to be taken over. Right. It's a, it's a and, good update. Uh, it's a smart that. move. Smart move. Thank smart you. move. Mm -hmm. So he got out of Cuba alive, <clears throat> got his brother, made sure his brother was out alive. Did he kill him in Godfather 1? Is that where he killed and Fredo? Then, uh, <sighs> Is that the very, very first one? I don't know if that's one or not. I think that's two. Didn't, didn't end well for the Corleones. All of them died. All of them eventually died. Well, Sad. everyone dies. It's just a matter of how you live your life. Good point, Jeffy. That's how you live your Another life. Another beautiful point by Jeffy Fisher. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. There is more patents too. It's inevitable. Is it? Yeah. It's inevitable. Inevitable. Good. That's good for you. Mm -hmm. Back It's uh, Pat and Fat this this uh, this beautiful day. Um, I'm Pat, and he, of course, is Fat. Oh, I mean, See, that's not what the name of the show. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> this is kind of cool, Jeffy. Uh, Don McLean just auctioned off his, uh, I guess, manuscript for American Pie. Don McLean is now. What did he get for it? Like fifty bucks. I think seventy-five dollars. That's pretty 70, good. Seventy-five bucks. That's yeah. not bad. It's better than he had before. He got I mean, a if he signed it, if he butt. signed it, he might have got a hundred. He got one point two million dollars. Wow. One point two million uh, for the day the music died. Wow. Uh, apparently, bucks. this is kind of an interesting story, and everybody by now kind of knows the story of what American Pie is about. It's about you know the the day the music died was when Buddy Holly and the others went down in that plane and, <laughs> and died. Um, <laughs> But uh, he had Buddy Holly was tired of being shoved into unheated buses on the Winter Dance Party tour in 1959, so he wanted he wanted to be able to you know have clean clothes and all that. So he chartered a plane instead of driving on a bus. Chartered a plane on February 3rd to fly from Clear Lake, Iowa, to Fargo, North Dakota. Never never fly to Fargo, North Dakota. No, never. It's a it's not a good thing to do. No. Where he hoped he could make an appointment with a washing machine. Joining him on the plane were Richie Valens, 
and uh, Waylon Jennings, who gave up his seat to J.P. Richardson, the big bopper. So Think about it. Waylon Jennings, and this is a famous story, too, because yeah. he gave up his seat on that ill-fated flight. And uh, so they took off in bad weather with a pilot who wasn't certified to do that. Plane crashed, killed everybody on board. Uh, so uh, the singer of Peggy Sue, Come On, Let's Go, Donna, Lombamba, all gone. Uh, Buddy Holly was only 22. Richie Valens was 17 years old. Wow. 17. Look at that. Jeez. So 13 years later, uh, Don McLean wrote a song about the tragedy, American Pie, eight and a half minutes. This thing was eight and a half minutes. Yeah. My grandpa used to have the 45. It was, you know, half, first half of the song on side Ru- A, I had back that. half of the song side B. Your grandpa, shut up. <laughs> We both had the single to American Pie. And I remember clearly it was four and a half minutes on one side and four and a half to that and about 45. four something on the other side. Over and over and over and over I listened to that. First of all, when you're 10 years old, you can't afford the album. So maybe your parents give you enough for, this, for the single. And a lot of the radio right? stations only played the first half. The side A of the 45. Yeah. Uh, well, because eight and a half minutes. Right. Until it started getting into the, you know, 70s, I guess, when they started thinking, well, we can play, play the whole thing. Right. Deep God's DJs. Well, it, yeah, especially in 1970. Songs were two and a half, three minutes. Right. Period. You did two and a half, three minutes, because then you could play two to three songs before you played another commercial break. Then you could maybe get two songs in before the next commercial break. Right. Then that was four and five minutes long. Then you could play maybe one song or two songs over the bottom of the hour, and then you could play another commercial break. Right. So if you played a, an eight-and-a-half-minute song, that was longer than three songs that you would have normally played. Amazing. Radio stations couldn't do that, right. except at night. So it was always cool when to, the commercial to, know the, to know the back half of the 45 because you were cooler than the people listening on yeah. the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every once in a while, they'd, for some reason, yeah. be able to play the full... The album cut full album cut and then i remember when i first got into radio when i was a junior in high school uh 1977 it was right before my junior year and um we used to play only at night long versions of songs and then during the day you would play the short version because the commercial load was much heavier during the day than it was at night so you could play like Long Time, the long version of Long Time by Boston. Or oh, my gosh. American Pie, if you had an oldie coming Some up. Some of the Zeppelin songs. Some of the Zeppelin oh, songs would go on. Uh, Stairway to Heaven was an eight-minute song. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's everything's changed. Who else? Had, who else was the, oh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer had a couple long ones. Mm. Uh, whatever. It seemed like they forever. Those were the days. Those were the days. My grandpa loved those bands. So, anyway, anyway uh, Don McLean says, I thought it would be interesting as I reach 70. Yeah, you thought it'd be interesting. <laughs> you thought, up. hey, I bet I can make a lot, buttload of money I'm on 70, this. 70, I'm going <laughs> I'm broke. Make, I'm make some money. Says, nobody's playing my freaking song and I'm not getting royalties <laughs> right. anymore. And iTunes has killed the industry. <laughs> That's why he thought he'd release this work uh, product. No, but you tell us how altruistic you are, Don. <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be interesting as I reached you know. 70 to maybe put it up for auction at Christie's. And so I did. <laughs> says it's an indescribable photograph of America that I tried to capture in words and music. I mean, he that did was do that. such a powerful song. He did do that. That uh, Roberta Flack went to one of his concerts, and he's singing American Pie, and she cried the whole time and later wrote Killing Me right. Softly with his song. 
I mean, another so classic. That, that one, another yes. classic came from just listening to the song. So one classic after another from this. It's a, it's a big moment in music history. Yeah. 800 words, and uh, a lot of people didn't understand it um, at all at the beginning. And, and I think it was explained by Casey Kasem about a thousand times, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, Casey had to say, here's a song that was written by Donald McLean about the death of Buddy Holly and Richie Valens. Here is American Pie, part one. We don't have time on 1840 for both sides of this record. Um, but uh, so $1.2 million. Wow. Uh, he says that... Uh, People ask me if uh, if people ask me if I left the lyrics open to ambiguity. Of course I did. I wanted to make the whole series of complex statements. The lyrics had to do with the state of society at the time, as well as just Buddy Holly. Uh, but what was the state? It seemed like the song's cast of characters, which included jester, a king, a queen, good old drinking boys, uh, boys drinking whiskey, and Rye, as well as Miss American Pie herself were meant to represent real people. The song includes references to Karl Marx, uh, Vladimir Lenin, or more likely John Lennon, the Fab Four, the Birds, James Dean, Charles Manson, Rolling Stones, Widowed Bride, Jackie Kennedy, and the Vietnam War. It's an amazing song. It's, it's really quite uh, an epic work. Oh, of my art. gosh, yes. It's awesome. Forever. So, uh, really cool. $1.2 million. <clears throat> hey, there's no po He also <laughs> said, there's no poetry. And very little romance in anything anymore. So it really is like the last phase of American Pie. Wow. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I know. He also went on to write uh, some other good songs. A lot of people think um, Don McLean was a one-hit wonder, but he wasn't. He did uh, Castles in the Air, which is a great song. Right. And uh, Vincent. Starry, starry night. Everybody loves Vincent, Vincent too. Yeah. It's a great song uh, about Vincent Van Gogh. So he, he wrote some deep, really good stuff, and then just kind of disappeared. Yeah, well, that's what he said, too, his advice. Uh, I was quickly uh, reading it. Uh, I would say to young songwriters who are uh, starting out to immerse yourself in beautiful music and beautiful lyrics and think about every word you say in a song. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> but he's, shut he also up. throws his family under the bus. Look, I have, I'm going to be 70 this year, mm -hmm. and I have two children and a wife. And none of them seem to have the mercantile instinct, so I want to get the best deal I can for them. It's time. <laughs> so the family, so the he, wife and two kids are dumb. He really did do it for money. They're dumb. That whole, it, I thought it'd be interesting now that I'm 70 to maybe uh, offer this up. Yeah, you thought you'd get some money kids, for your family. I don't think they know how to get the best out of this. <laughs> So I'm going to do it now before I die. That's interesting. So that they have a little cash. He doesn't think they can take care of themselves. Uh, okay, that's a nice way to put it. They don't have the mercantile industry. <laughs> ah, okay. Triple ah, ah. uh, eight seven two seven Beck. This is kind of interesting. University of Michigan canceled a scheduled movie screening of American Sniper yesterday uh, after student activists protested with a with a uh, letter from Middle Eastern and North African and Muslim students on campus, signed by almost three hundred students and accused the university for trying to play this movie on campus of tolerating dangerous anti-Muslim and anti-Mina propaganda growing increasingly common. Uh, the letter blames American Sniper for contributing to, quote, a culture of Islamophobia in America and an unsafe space for Muslims. Shut up. Ah, that drives me out of my mind. 
So they got him to cancel it. And then what happened was foot, Michigan news. football coach Jim Harbaugh announced on Twitter that his team will be holding a screening of American Sniper after the school pulled it. Michigan football will watch American Sniper, proud of Chris Kyle, and proud to be an American. And if that offends anybody, then so be it. Think about it. Good for you, Jim Harbaugh. And I think the now the University of Michigan responded too. Heck yeah! Yeah, which I thought was great. The vice president, uh, uh, Life E. Royster Harper. Mm-hmm. E. Royster Harper. E. Royster. That's his name. E. Royster Harper called the decision to cancel the Friday night showing a mistake. Wow, good. Yeah, good. The initial decision to cancel the movie was not consistent with the high value the University of Michigan places on freedom of expression and our respect for the right of students to make their own choices in such matters. The movie will be shown at the originally scheduled time and location. Oh, that's great. So it's not going to be just the football team. Right. Nice. Well, good. They they manned up, did and the right thing. This is kind of, I like, they, they did man up and they said, we did. Well, this is America, we're with the movie, but they also, Harper added, well, we're also going to screen uh, the family-friendly film Paddington. Oh, they are going to do that, go too. Go ahead. Because that's what they replaced it with at first. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and show Paddington for you, too. So, <laughs> so if you're a wuss or if you're a Muslim, go ahead yeah, and watch, you Paddington watch Paddington instead so you're not offended. Now, not long ago, the University of Missouri tried that, too. Uh, the University of Missouri. Is that the Missouri? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, the University of Missouri. That's the University of Missouri. Bastards. Mm-hmm. They were going to cancel it. Uh, they tried to, the same thing. The students complained and called it, uh, my, favorite, my favorite line, blatant racist colonialist propaganda. Oh, my gosh. And the University of Missouri was like, oh, really? Yeah, no. We're fine. We're Good. Yeah, no, Good. Fine. <laughs> and at both these schools, it doesn't matter because they're both getting their ass kicked by BYU this this uh, fall in football. Oh, you want to stay? Let's talk college football yeah. then, bro. I'm willing. Uh, BYU, no BYU visits uh, Michigan to beat the crap out of them on uh, You're Saturday. You're going into the big September, house September in 26th. In the big house, September 26th. And then we crush when Missouri you come, on... You come to Columbia? No, we play in Kansas City. Play in Kansas City at Arrowhead oh. Stadium, November 14th. We have to go to that. For the Cougar win over Missouri Tigers. We gotta, yeah, we got to go to both of them. We have to go to the Kansas City game. Uh, and... Uh, they go to uh, Nebraska, Keith right? Keith Malinax, Nebraska Cornhouse Cruise. He graduated from uh, Nebraska. Play them opening weekend. Is that, your, is that yours or mine? It can't, it can't be mine, I don't think. I, I didn't say anything to the University of Missouri. There we go. Missouri. Okay. Yeah, it's another one of those uh, awesome, I love this, <laughs> automatically starting ads. Yeah, those website. are great. Those are fantastic. I am a big fan of those. And oh. you know what else is I'm a big fan of is that when you go there and they automatically start, even if you have your volume muted, they unmute it for you. <laughs> So that you can <laughs> he hear it. just did that for I me. I know, isn't they that nice? just took the time to do that I for know, me. so you're able to hear their ad. I it's love nice. that. That's really nice. I know. And I, when you're on the air, that's I very helpful. I thank them a lot. Very helpful. I thank them a lot for that. 888 back. More Pat and Fat uh, coming up. See, I, And there he is. There's Fat. I, oh, I, there's Fat. Right. There's Fat right there. That's there's the right there's Pat. <laughs> Seven, two, seven, Pat and Stu with uh, Jeffy today. 
Uh, over the years, we've reported how Disney animators have kind of massaged or censored or sanitized classic fables, fairy tales for mass audiences. But this is the first time we've heard about them borrowing uh, so much of another artist's work. Really? Did they borrow, or is it just a coincidence? Huh. Uh, in 1950, a Japanese artist named Osamu Z uh, Tezuka, Tezuka. Tezuka. Created, created Jungle Taitai, Jungle Emperor. It's a story about an orphaned lion cub. Let's <laughs> see if this sounds familiar. <laughs> an orphaned lion cub uh, who is destined to rule the animals in Africa. From 1950 to 54, J Japanese comic book series. Okay. And in 65, Tezuka turned it into Japan's first color animated TV series. Following year, all 52 episodes were released in the U.S. under the name Kimba the White Lion. And who hasn't seen Kimba I, the White Lion? I have not Come seen on. Kimba the White Lion, but there's Kimba the White Lion. Looks a lot like Simba the Not So White Lion. Who's a cute little it Kimba? Is Kimba. You are. Uh, so, over the next few years, Kimba enjoyed some success in syndication, local or regional TV, and Tezuka freely acknowledged uh, that the work of Walt Disney, Bambi in particular, was an inspiration for the story of his lion hero. In 1994, nearly 30 years after his creation, five years after his death, uh, Disney released its feature-length animated film, The Lion King, about an orphan lion huge. cub destined to rule the animals in Africa. So, and they named the cub Simba, not Kimba. That's uh, pretty close. Come yeah. on. I mean, if, if George Harrison can lose $2 million because my sweet lord sounds a little bit like he's so fine... Then this story should really be and the gone. Lion, okay, and, That's and, the same story. And think story. of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, the Lion King yeah. franchise, oh my gosh. Well, the movie itself made, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And then, and, yeah, and while, and then Broadway. And while two and the toys, wasn't, wasn't uh, well-received, uh, one and a half was. Yeah. One and a half was huge. Yeah. And one and a half was great. Yeah. That's actually my favorite, I think. So, there were, uh, obviously, the main characters' names are incredibly similar. Uh, Simba and Kimba, both are orphan cubs destined to become rulers. Each lost their dad in treacherous circumstances. The Lion King, Scar, enlists the aid of three hyenas. Uh, in Kimba the White Lion, Claw enlists the aid of two hyenas. See, different. Oh, so that's completely different. Because Disney used three. That's yep. completely different than two. <laughs> Uh, you don't have a case here. What do you mean? <laughs> one of Simba's friends is a hysterical yet comical bird named Zazu. One of Kimba's friends is a hysterical yet comical bird named Polly. In The Lion King, Simba turns to a wise but eccentric baboon named Rafiki for guidance. In Kimba the White Lion, Kimba turns to a wise but eccentric baboon named Donal Banoon, baboon for guidance. Wow, this is the same, same story. It's the exact thing. But, I mean, is there anything new? Simba I, has a cute girlfriend named uh, Cub named Nala. Nala. Kimba yes. has a cute girlfriend Cub named Kitty. That's really something. It certainly is. But there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing new. And he talked about it being shared earlier, right? Uh, Simba's chief nemesis, Scar, uh, the evil lion with a scar over his left eye. Kimba's primary nemesis, Claw. An evil one-eyed lion. I see different. With a scar over his blind eye. <laughs> it's amazing. Image of Simba standing on Pride Rock in The Lion King is almost identical to the image of Kimba as a grown lion standing on a jutting rock Look surveying the kingdom. 
Wow. Oh, my gosh. Officially, the executives and animators at Disney denied they had ever heard of Kimba. Oh, shut up. But fans of the original Kimba the White Lion were uh, incensed with the many similarities. Group of more than a thousand animators in Japan sent a position, petition to Disney, uh, asking this. All they wanted the studio to do was acknowledge that they had, you yeah. know, they owed a debt to the original series. Disney refused, citing only Bambi and Shakespeare's play Hamlet as influences. Shut, Shut up. up! Well, they, because I'm sure that Disney wow. you know, met with the attorneys and anything that if they would have said, uh, "Yeah, you're right, we got a lot of influence from you." And, True. That would have been bad. They probably would have been. They opened themselves up for a lawsuit. Darn right they do, big time. So it's just easier for them to deny it. But, I mean, come on. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, if it ever went in front of a judge, the judge should just go, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to go any farther. Um, Thank you for coming into my court today. Disney, shut up. You owe... $500 $500 million to the family of... Just go ahead and write that check right write now, check. and we're going to walk out. Yeah. It's over. Don't even bother trying to appeal this nah. ruling. <laughs> no. Write the check. Stop it. And shut up. Give them $500 million. <laughs> Seriously, that's amazing. You'd be happy with the $500 because they're still going to deny it. Yeah. Take the money. All of you get out. I mean, to me, that's an open and shut case. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Simba. That's unbelievable. Oh, uh, yeah. We, well, that, was some, that was about Hamlet. And uh, that was about Hamlet is what that was. We were really into Shakespeare at the time. I mean, I can see where maybe maybe the creators weren't actually thinking of that when they came up with it. You know, like they had seen it I, over the years. I don't years. know, man. When, when the baboon is the same. I know. I know. When, when the start hyenas into the story. are the same. When the, when the villain is the same. Pretty when bad. there's every element of it is pretty almost bad. identical. It's pretty hard to believe that someone didn't say, "Yeah, um, look, look at this series. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. Our, we're going to make it right. Disney. We're going to make, make it Disney. Disneyfy this." And they did. And they but did. admit it. Yeah, but admit it. Obviously, they're not going to. <laughs> yeah, we were we were thinking about Hamlet. I don't even. I never Hamlet. heard of this Kimba thing. Uh, well, I got to tell you, the first time I saw Lion King, that's what I thought of. It's Hamlet. It's Hamlet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, bat. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. I originally thought Midsummer Night's Dream, but then I went, no. Yeah, it's not it might, like that, really. No, nah, it's more like Hamlet. Yeah. More like Hamlet. Yeah. It took me a minute, though. It did. I was probably halfway through the m- movie before Stop I switched. It. Hamlet and Bambi. Hamlet. <laughs> Come on. Shut up. That's great stuff, though. Come uh, on. How, how does one company get away with something like that? I guess because they're so huge. But, I mean, and then you have an artist like George Harrison who says, look, the inspiration for my song, My Sweet Lord, was, um, uh, what was that song? Uh, I, I can't remember. It was a spiritual that was pretty big in the 1970s. And Harrison admitted, and, and there was no copyright on it anymore. Right. And he said, no, my inspiration for this song was this. And I, ca- I can't remember the name of it right now. Do you, are you looking for it? Yeah. Um, and, but but the chiffons and and their record label said no that no this is obviously a rip off of he's so fine which George Harrison come on he's not ripping off the stupid chiffons shut up <laughs> <laughs> but they ruled against him in 1976 I think it was uh, and and so he had to pay two million dollars which is like I think 16 million today that, that's a huge huge payout. Are you seeing? Nah, they're talking about it's all chiffon stuff now. Nah, I just I just saw what that was. It was uh, 
was, uh, I can't remember. Put your hand in the hand. Was it maybe? Put, no, it wasn't put your hand in the hand because that was a, that was a Godspell song. So it wasn't that one. <laughs> yeah, but it was, uh, I'll, I'll look it up and we'll find it. Triple eight seven two seven back. More Pat and Stu coming up. Back to Pat and Stu with Jeffy today. Uh, we were trying to think of uh, what the inspiration for George Harrison is. This is a, a long way to the well. But uh, anyway, this Disney copying of the Japanese cartoon. Which is a copy, by the way, Disney. Yes. Obvious, obvious ripoff of Step Kimba up. and Simba and the, the Lion King that they obviously got from some Japanese cartoon and won't admit to it. Anyway, um, Disney gets away with that somehow when George Harrison doesn't in 1970. I'm not sure how that works out. I don't know. Either. But he always claimed the inspiration for My Sweet Lord was uh, Oh Happy Day. Oh Happy Day when Jesus walked. Remember that song? That's a great song. And it was out of copyright. So he could use that tune if he wanted to, which he kind of did. And then somehow the chiffons claim he's so fine was the inspiration, which I, I don't believe that. I've always believed Harrison on this one. Yeah, I mean, and he said that it was he was it was the Hindu religion, the Hare Krishna, and big into the, the Hare Krishna right. thing. Oh man, he was big into that. And uh, you know, the finger bells. Yeah, and I always thought it was about Jesus. You know, when I was a kid, uh, not so much. It was about the uh, Krishna, uh, the Hindu god Krishna. <laughs> uh, so kind of interesting. And that was the first number one song by a Beatle after they broke up. Think about it. First number one. Uh, so he had, he had a great he had a great career. And Wait, then remember the uh, are you saying what? the song isn't about about Jesus? Isn't about Jesus? No, it's not. It's about it's about Krishna, the Hindu god Krishna. Can we can Sorry. we pretend that it's about we can Jesus? pretend if you want to pretend, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Yes, I mean it's a little late now. You know, the songs. Too late for me either way. Forty five years old. Yeah, I know it's true. <laughs> That's very true. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. All right, now we promised to tell you about uh, uh, on the promo why James Bond should be dead, according to doctors. And I mean, if you've ever seen a James Bond movie, I think it's pretty obvious. You don't have to be a doctor to say the guy should be dead. No, but he's James Bond. <laughs> right. That's the point, right? But a panel of medical professionals has concluded that action films aren't true to life. Huh? What? What? Now you tell us. They, tell me they did not get study money for this stupid stuff. I hope not. I hope not. It doesn't talk about that, uh, but let's go through some of these things. In the yes. case of Skyfall, the moment Bond is shot with a depleted uranium shell seven minutes in would have turned his lungs inside out and killed him. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> Even if he had survived that... The uranium shell fragments would greatly increase cancer risk. Okay. The rest of the film does not treat him kindly. Removing a bullet from his shoulder in a spot <laughs> uh, risks blood loss, lack of consciousness, nerve and muscle damage, and the infection risk is huge. Yeah, well, no kidding. Because okay, he, well. he, he removed the bullet himself. 
<laughs> he took out the bullet well, by himself. Right. I mean, everybody does that if you're, oh, well, if I, you're shot. I did that three times last week alone. I mean, if you're out of so. pat, mm-hmm. would you grow? I mean, no joke, mean streets. Right. That's what I mean. You grew up in the mean That's streets. I mean. You're lucky to get out of there alive. Very true. You're saying you never did that? Oh, I, three times last week alone. Remember, I went to back to Montana and got shot several times. I know we were concerned times. about you coming back alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I well, did. glad you did. Uh, falling from the roof of a train. Falling, uh, fall, what? Hmm? Can we see the scars? Or? Uh, later. Yeah, I'll show them to you later. Uh, falling from the roof of a train into a river, one of the film's great set pieces, uh, quote, could sever his spinal cord or break his neck. Not to mention the dangers of drowning. Grenade explosions at the climax of the film would leave Bond with perforated eardrums. Okay. Uh, then there's a scene at the end in which Bond wrestles a henchman underwater in an icy Scottish lock. The chances of him surviving that would be pretty low. Fighting. He's James Bond. I know. But tell these doctors that. Fighting means he would use oxygen quickly, so it's improbable he'd get out in time. Hypothermia would set in very quickly, and he'd struggle to move. That's picky, picky. I think so, too. Picky, picky. There's a, I mean, please, there's a hundred scenes from these movies in which... All the time. ...the freaking guy would be dead, just plain yeah. dead. That's what I've... You know, it's kind of what I don't like about the Bond movies, is he gets himself... They get him into such incredibly stupid situations that you're like, oh, come on. They've got to get him out of him in a really unrealistic way. And I like my action movies to sort of be somewhat realistic. Feel like it could happen. Feel like it could happen that's in the realm the, in which they exist. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the diehard, right? I mean, they talk about, uh, uh, they also assessed, uh, they concluded that Bruce Willis, uh, John McClane, uh, would not have survived diehard. Well, why? no kidding. Why? But the no, thing I want to know why Most on of the points, uh, let's see, when McClane was... Uh, when was shot in the shoulder towards the end of the film, there'd be a fair amount of blood loss. Coupled with blood loss from his feet and other injuries, it doesn't look good. Well, yeah, at the end of... Uh, yeah, but he's tough. At the end of three or four, he shoots, he shoots the bad guy through his own shoulder. Oh, my gosh. Does he really? Does he really? So there's somebody the behind guy. him. Yeah, the Does the guy have his arm him. around him? The bad guy's him? behind him pointing a gun at his daughter. He, he takes the gun. Shoots, oh. shoots the bad guy. <laughs> That's great. That's a good idea. But So you wouldn't idea. die there. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't die there because you'd know no. exactly where to shoot. Uh, one of the most <laughs> least lethal films is the children's favorite, Home Alone. Uh, I love that. Kevin would have died from massive head injuries after 35 minutes. What? 35 minutes into the movie. When he fell from climbing shelves, the doctor's report concluded. Okay, so here he is, uh, and he fell from this. Yeah, and, whatever. Well, if he landed on his feet, he wouldn't die from massive head injuries. Every kid falls from shelves. He don't die. Come on. Come on. Surprisingly, they decided the plot of Castaway, uh, where Tom Hanks survives a plane crash in the ocean, then lives alone on a desert island for four years, that's not implausible. That's kind of interesting, right? Out of all the things that you... That we've seen over the years. Right. This one is the one that makes the most sense well, that he could have survived. I mean, of this? course it does that, but isn't that the whole point of these movies? I mean, especially, now the action movies, obviously not. But Castaway was, you know, horrific. It could happen. I still kind of find it hard to believe that What's Her Face married again. Who? In Castaway. I don't remember uh, it well enough. Well, he's, he, you know, he's on the island, and yeah, then Helen Hunt, uh, so she his married- girlfriend, Helen Hunt, who they were in love with. Right. Uh, you know, they gave up the search after a couple years. Yeah, so and then she went on to marry somebody she else. She married uh, 
another guy. Spoiler alert. And it was Castaway. Who hasn't seen Castaway? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't seen Castaway, uh, you're not an American. Go back to the country you're from. Uh, and so, and she's married with to, to a, a big from Sex and the City. And uh, mm-hmm. has a kid. And she goes, I knew you were alive. And she wouldn't have got married that fast. She wouldn't have done it, not in real life. That's four years, man. That's not it. very fast. Four years? Come on, four if years. If you really were in love with someone like that, four, four years? years? Well, if she and said, the first and I don't two years, this. the first couple years, you're looking you're, for you think he's alive, yeah. and you're searching for him. So you don't give up until after two, two and a half years. So in another year and a half, you're out flipping around and got married with a kid. Yeah, living large. I think not. <laughs> I think not. How long do you How long do you expect her I to hold not. out? I think she how should long? wait for me at least. How long? At least seven or eight. Se- Seven or eight At years. At least seven or eight. All right, let's say what they're kind 20. Of morning process let's say they're that. 25 when his plane goes down, right? You're expecting her to wait until the, she's 32 the, freaking the years old. Ticking? Shut what? up. They should, the, nobody's the waiting for you for five ticket? minutes, by the way. You go down in a plane crash. Amber is married in 15 minutes to somebody else. You went down in a plane crash. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't ask her if she was still alive. No, we're pretty good. I'm well, out. we don't even know if the plane's actually crashed. Yeah, well, that's all right. We're, we got the ceremony all planned. But, but Amber, wait. He still wait, might he be. Might no, be we're okay. good. No, no, we're fine.